Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. This week, I'm joined by Evan. Hey. Josh. Howdy. And Daniel. What's up? And for the first part of the show, we'll be talking hoops. We'll be previewing the tech basketball team and kind of recapping what we saw Saturday night or really afternoon as Tech took on LSU in a game that really didn't matter for anything, but it was still kind of nice to, to see how she played Tech there. Um, I know that Daniel and Josh went to the game. So Daniel, you want to start us off with what you saw out there? Yeah, you know, even even though it wasn't a game that counted for anything, it would have been very nice to to beat LSU, but ultimately that didn't happen. There, there were a few things to be excited about. I felt that our defense was doing really well, aside from uh, leaving some wide open threes for LSU to shoot, and they were just draining. They they could not miss those threes. As far as our offense goes, I'm seeing a lot of really bad turnovers pretty consistently, as well as we are uh, or um, a lot of mid range twos instead of just driving it to the basket and some wild threes. Yeah, Josh, what did you see? Uh, a lot of the same sentiments, you know, Daniel had. Uh, you go out there and you know it's an exhibition game, so you don't expect to like go full 100, percent you know, 150 percent trying to win this game. I mean, you try to win, but it's not. It doesn't count for anything. So I wasn't expecting, you know, to see everything out there, but I was a little disappointed in how flat the team looked at times. Like the defense was fine, but our offensive presence just was not there at all. Missing shots, missing wide open shots too. Weird turnovers, uh, I guess not adjusting plays in time. And it wasn't even necessarily due to LSU playing some crazy defense or doing anything special. They were pretty much playing standard defense the whole time. They weren't doing anything crazy or having any weird switches go on for their defense. So it was kind of an offensive failure, but the defense ran a lot of full court press a lot of the time. Uh, I think anytime we were behind, which was the majority of the game, it looked like they were running full court press. So kind of something back like the Mike White teams defensively. Yeah, and I heard that that's going to be a large part of this team is playing that full court press style, which will be fun to see because... Yeah, that excites me. Yeah. Well, we have returning to the team this year. We have Oliver Powell, Mo Mohamed, Jacoby Pemberton, Amori Archibald, Stacey Thomas. Uh, Some of those names may sound familiar. Added to that, Daquan Bracey, you know, preseason all-Cusa. Uh, you have fan favorite Kale Walters. And don't really worry if you don't recognize that name. We have two guys who were supposed to be gone after last year and got medical red shirts for this year, and Derek Jean and Xavier Christian. So I'm curious, guys. I want to go around the room. Uh, which returner are you most excited about? We'll start with Evan. I mean, obviously you got Day Day, you got Triple A, Amori Archibald, but I'm gonna go with uh, Xavier Christian because that was a uh, you know pretty scary situation. I think he had what was it, heart problems. Yeah, but he was uh, he was kind of a, a surprise leader on the team there in the first five or six games. It says here he was leading the team in scoring average 12 points per game, three-point field goal percentage at 41%. So he's a really good player, really fun to watch, and uh, I'm excited to see him get back after really it seemed like one of those situations where he might medically retire, even though he was only a sophomore last season. So uh, hopefully he can get back into the swing of things and, and get going. Yeah. What about you, Daniel? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see AAA at work again. Amori Archibald, ever since he started, I believe this is his junior year. I, I love what he does offensively for the team. And, you know, I'm just really excited to see how he takes it into his upperclassmen years. Yeah. How about you, Josh? Um, I guess Evan already covered Day Day, being really excited to watch him come back. You know, he seems like the leader of the team. By the way, I think we determined that he switched numbers this year from four to 25. Just something to note. 
That is factual. Uh, I'm on the uh, the roster right now, and he is number 25 now. But uh, actually, I, after the game, I'm really excited to see uh, Jacoby Pemberton play. I think he's number 11. It seemed like every time he had the ball in an offensive capacity for Tech, he was making the shot more often than not. I think he went on a, a nice little run there with making three-pointers, and he didn't miss for a while there. Yeah, and for me, I'm really excited to see Mo Mohamed back. Last year, he looked very raw coming out of Bipsy, originally from, I believe, Nigeria. Another year of practice under his belt, another year of game. He only started one game last year, but he made a presence known in a lot of different games. Uh, six foot seven, having that size, even though we have a few more players this year that are that add that element of height, it's really nice to see him back out there. I'm not sure how he played against LSU, but I'm excited to see him again. From that, we'll move to some of the newcomers to the team this year. We have a guy who was on the team last year, Caleb Ladeau. He transferred from McNeese. Uh, he was 37% from three-point attempts at McNeese, sat out last year uh, with the transfer, though. We also got a, another big guy, Andrew Gordon, transferred from, from West Virginia, as in the Mountaineers. He got a waiver to play this year, so he doesn't have to set out a year. He played in 34 games last year, mostly off the bench, though. So not very high points per games or rebound per games totals, but, you know, still pretty nice to have him. He's six foot ten as well, so that's... yeah. 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 And then we have a few freshmen there, Kobe Williams and Isaiah Crawford. So I'm kind of curious, any of those four are you really excited about, or are you really just kind of wanting to see the returners again? Caleb Ladeau the other day actually impressed me a lot. When the game was nearing its end and it was, you know, pretty much lost at that point, he, he was showing some serious hustle. He was, he was making defensive plays. He was draining threes. And so just the fact that he, he didn't show any quit in him, he, he made me respect him a lot. Yeah, Josh, did you see any of the newcomers uh, stand out? I, I agree with Daniel. They're like, Caleb Ladeau looked really good out there. He looked like he had a lot of drive to play, you know, even when the game was out of hand. He, he looks like somebody that's going to be a big impact player on this. I was able to tune into the radio a couple times uh, throughout the game, and I heard Kobe Williams' name called a few times. Does he still have the red hair that he does in the picture? Yes. Yes, yes. he does. Very easy to spot. <laughs> he was the 34th best high school player in Texas and averaged 17 points per game and eight assists per game. He is a guard, and so we're pretty a guard-heavy team, so he may not make a presence known this year, and maybe more for a next-year kind of thing, the same way that Caleb Ladeau didn't really make a presence known last year. And so I'm really excited to see him play, if not this year, then in the future. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and say uh, the other transfer we got, Andrew Gordon. I know uh, the guys over at Bleed Tech Blue were excited that he got the waiver to play this year because he's, he's like Nathan said, that big presence, six foot ten, two fifty. Hopefully him and Mo Muhammad can be kind of a tandem one-two punch down in the paint. So I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, and then moving on to the schedule we play this year. Tech has a very long history of playing very bad teams at the Thomas Assembly Center. And <laughs> that doesn't really change this year. The out-of-conference teams coming to Ruston this year. Wiley College, Mississippi Valley State fighting Okra. <laughs> North Alabama, <laughs> Samford, not to be confused with Stanford. North Carolina Central. Southern New Orleans somehow able to stay out of the merger with UNO that was rumored a few years ago. And then finally, really the only one that matters there, ULL. Yeah. Tech does <laughs> travel to some good out conference teams, though. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi is not one of those, but the others are pretty good. <laughs> Crichton, Indiana, Mississippi State, and Sam Houston State. Uh, we'll go around the room again. What are your thoughts about that out-of-conference schedule? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Indiana and Crichton. That, those are exciting games, but everything Creighton else is... or Creighton? 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 I thought it was Creighton, but I could <laughs> just be Creighton? wrong. I don't know. Jurassic Park? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not necessarily an out-of-conference schedule that's going to uh, get you the RPI you need to get into the tournament, right? But, I mean, going up to Indiana, that'll be a really good trip for the guys. Indiana is a very historic 
historically good basketball program. I said that weird. Very historically <laughs> good basketball program. So getting to go up there and play in a Big Ten arena, that, that'll be exciting for the guys. And they've done pretty well when they did that. A few years ago, they went up to Ohio State and won. So, I mean, that's the kind of road trip where you're like, okay, that game, if we win it, raises my eyebrows a little bit you know it's like okay we might be good but yeah nothing at home is uh sorry the the fighting okra and suno are not really uh moving the needle here for me <laughs> and ULL always flashes me back to that home game streak snapped oh, oh, oh that was ago, yeah I feel like I keep bringing up the bad memories on the show, but they're kind of always in my head. Hey, this is our therapy session, man. <laughs> it all started. Daniel, did you want to say anything else about the schedule? I mean, pretty much what Evan said. Uh, you know, I-, I could see us beating one of these big schools like Indiana or Mississippi State just because you never really know with tech basketball. We could beat anyone on any week, and especially we can lose to anyone on any given week. So. <laughs> yeah, and a few other schedule things out there. Uh, Tech opens CUSA play, Conference USA play. I guess I should actually say the the right way. Uh, They start against USM on New Year's Eve Eve, uh, December 30th. And then the Eagles come back to Ruston five days later. They kind of a a weird double header there. Conference USA championship is on my birthday, March 14th. So I already know what I'm asking for. And bonus play (laughs) is back. Like last year, at the end of the season, the last few games will be broken up into whatever seed you are going in. One through five play each other, six through 10 play each other, and 11 through 14 play each other. I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet because the show is pretty new, but I'm kind of curious what y'all think about bonus play. Last year, it didn't work in its idea to bring another CUSA school into the NCAA tournament, but is it something that's really worth all the extra hassle of figuring out games there on the fly? Well, look, I, I think uh, there are some very outspoken critics of this idea. I, I think it's a good idea i'm curious to see if it will ever work last year wasn't really set up for it to work anyway because there wasn't that like seriously dominant cusa team at least not to my memory but like a few a few years back when mtsu was like 30 and 3 or those years when tech was 29 and 5 those are the kind of years where pod play i think would come in handy to help that 29 and 5 team that loses in the semifinals or the finals actually get looked at for a bid because Tech's RPI back then, I would argue we still should have probably made the tournament over the middle of the pack (laughs) Big Ten schools, but that's a different argument. You know, if you've got two teams that might be on the bubble, you let them play each other and say, all right, this is going to boost one of your RPI. So I I think it could work. I, I like the idea, but I'm interested to see if it would work, even if we had that 29 and 5, 31 and 3 type team that doesn't end up getting the auto bid. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I like it, but I don't know if it worked. But I don't know if we've had a team that has had the chance to, like, those old tech teams were that had, like, really good records and really good teams that just got bumped from the tournament. I don't think we've had that kind of team not win the tournament since we implemented that schedule. It's definitely a great concept on paper, but I honestly just don't see it paying off, at least anytime soon, you know? I'm just glad that we're trying something. Yeah. Like, to me, that's what matters. It doesn't really matter that the idea is good or bad. I'd much rather be in a league that wants to try new things and try experiments out because it's the only way to get an edge against some of the more well-established brands out there is to try new things. And so to say after one year or even before the year started, as soon as they announce it, to have all the hate towards it without any kind of trial and error or let it go for a few years, if it doesn't work, you wasted a bit of money and extra airfare there at the end. But that's really about it. It's a low-risk, high-reward kind of scenario. And I'm just happy that this conference is willing to make those risks or else we wouldn't survive very long as Conference USA. 
Oh, for sure. Right. And I think that the key is like, if tech was one of the quote, first four out, maybe Podplay would help or any team in CUSA, if they were part of that first four out group they talk about uh, in, in the bracketology, that would help them get in. I think Podplay being in that top pod and playing teams of a similar RPI at the end of the season, that would help you get off that bubble and into the actual tournament. So, but if you're not on the bubble to begin with, then it's not going to help, you know? Right. And we'll see if this is a year that Tech can even get to that bubble after a couple seasons of what felt like mediocrity from this program. So the Kusa preseason poll puts Tech at third in the conference. Massey, which like football uses a lot of last year's data, puts Tech at fifth in the conference or 150th overall. Remember, there are more teams in Division One basketball than there are in FBS football. Sports Illustrated ranks Tech 90th in the country or second in Kusa. And Ken Palm also predicts Tech to be second in Kusa, but this time at 110th in the country with a 17-9 record. I'm kind of curious how you guys see the season going. Is it something that will live up to the Mike White years, or is this going to be another strike towards what a lot of people think to be a move at removing Conkle from head coach? Yeah, I have no clue, really. Like, <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can sit here and just talk out my ass the entire time, but I have no clue. Like the, the metrics seem to like us at second overall in the conference. I'm a big fan of the Ken Palm, uh, his analytical models and everything. But after watching the team a little bit on Saturday, it's like, well, I really have no idea. I don't know what to expect from this team. There's so many players on the team that I don't have a lot of experience watching, even the returners, you know. I, I would say third seems pretty reasonable. Uh, to answer your question as far as the strike to potentially firing our coach or a throwback to the Mike White years, I'd say it's neither one of them now. We're not firing Conkle, at least not this year. He just got an extension. I, I don't see, yeah. And <laughs> I do not see us going that 25 and four uh, like we were a few years back under him so i the third team is pretty reasonable I, I don't see anything to be super excited about but also nothing to be upset about either i'll jump in real quick uh, before evan does because i pretty much wholeheartedly disagree with you i think that if we weren't returning daquan and we weren't returning archibald then yeah i'd be thinking this would be a second or third in the conference 17 and 9 from Kempom, that seems about right but this team has so much returning for it We've said the names earlier. I try to say them very quickly for time purposes, but there are a lot of people on this team that can make plays, a lot of experience on this team. Yeah, you got Derek Jean back too. I mean, that's that's yeah. nothing to sneeze at either. So, And then you have transfers coming in. You have freshmen that can come off the bench if needed. The only thing I can see, I know every year it feels like an injury disrupts this team or injuries why we don't reach our full potential. And that can be true again this year, but we even have the depth to withstand an injury or two and still be a very good basketball team. I know I am often very optimistic when it comes to predictions from tech stuff, and nothing has put me on blast more than this show. (laughs) (laughs) But I see this team winning Kusa this year. Kusa apparently is better this year than it has been in the past, or that's what every coach has been saying in press conference, saying, yeah, we're a better team, but so is every other team. But I think if this team played last year, they would win the conference. And I just hope that the other teams haven't improved by so much that that doesn't happen this year. Well, I hope you're right, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest with you, football is my main focus, and basketball kind of takes the backseat to that until the season uh, really gets started. But, you know, third place feels about right, and some of the more advanced uh, metrics like Ken Palm have a second after Western Kentucky. You know, being second in a preseason metric behind them is not a bad thing at all. And like Nathan said, we've got great players coming back 
you know, Day Day is an all conference player, has been every year really. So um, we'll get to watch him play one one last season and you know, get to see some of the new guys, like you said, mixing in. It feels like the injury bug has had its time with tech. And this year, hopefully, I'm going to knock on wood a bunch of times here. You know, hopefully that won't be as big of an issue and we won't have these season ending uh, things that kind of derail the season and put us in fifth or sixth place instead of second or first. So uh, really, I'd love to see us in the top pod. I think we will be in the top pod and, you know, go from there and hopefully win the conference tournament and not leave it up to chance. Um, But I think it's finally time for that to happen. And I think I to kind of dissuade my optimism. I'm not sure if dissuade is the right word there. I don't feel like looking it up. But (laughs) the two teams that are ranked ahead of Tech in the preseason poll are Western Kentucky and UTSA, both of which Tech play on the road this year. And that could be a big difference, even going into pod play being down to those two teams because of just the luck of the schedule feels kind of less than good. But still, you know, you never know. That pretty much wraps it up for the basketball preview. We'll be right back after this quick break. No, we won't. Just kidding, because we're going to go straight into the North Texas preview. <laughs> <Football! laughs> Keeping you guys hostage hey, here for a few more minutes. One, one thing I just realized is that Daniel and Josh didn't talk about the atmosphere at the Tech. It was the most packed I've seen it since an NIT game, but the crowd was kind of meh. A lot of LSU fans out there, actually. Oh, there wasn't a man. lot, but there was a... There, there was now. less than I expect, honestly. Yeah. I, I was worried that I was going to walk in and see purple and gold everywhere, and I told myself if that happens, I was just going to turn around and leave because I would be too <laughs> mad. <laughs> so. And also attributing to the problem. Yeah. <laughs> when the game was close, it was the, the fans were great, but once they started to pull ahead, it was you could hear a needle drop. Mm. Everyone's kind of stayed till the end, though, regardless. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was nice. That's nice. Cool. I don't know if you want to splice that in earlier or what. Not but. right now. It stays, <laughs> it stays where right. it's at. <laughs> and he said LSU kind of ran away with it there. And hopefully North Texas won't when North Texas travels to Tech to take on the Bulldogs this coming Saturday for homecoming. Vegas has Tech as a 4.5 point favorite. FPI gives Tech a 67.3 chance to win. And Massey gives Tech a 70% chance to win with a final score prediction of 31 to 38. Uh, how do you guys see this game going, Evan? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in general, North Texas is a pretty good team with a pretty bad record. They're four and five overall. But I I think that the tech that we've seen in the last two, three weeks, really after the first bye week, is a team that's not going to be stopped by uh, this year's version of North Texas. So that's that's kind of my general feeling going into our preview here. I'm a little worried only because I know North Texas remembers what happened last year. It was a very (laughs) close good game and we won off a blocked field goal so i i see them coming out of the gate hungry ready to stop us maybe get some revenge uh we kind of ruined their or partially ruined their hopes at a conference usa title and they may be looking to do the same thing for us on saturday yeah so far they've beaten utep utsa middle tennessee and the fcs Abilene Christian. Again, with pronunciation, I probably got that one wrong, too. They I think it's Abilene. To, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was waiting for it. They did lose to SMU, Cal, Houston, Southern Miss, and Charlotte. So that explains their 4-5 and five record, which, that's a losing record, but they've played some pretty good teams in there, too. But most of those losses weren't close. Southern Miss, SMU, both SMU and USM, just to make it harder to read. Dyslexia! <laughs> and Houston, that was after half their team just quit, or took a year off, so... Houston was still able to blow them out with their second string team. Charlotte was a close loss, but Charlotte's also not a very good team. UNT looks like a good CUSA team. And I think I've said this in the preview. I think they're a good 
team for the conference compared to the rest of the conference, but that doesn't really make them a very good team either. Yeah. Yeah. And they're definitely not what they were expected to be this season. They were expected to kind of run away with the conference and, you know, they, I mean, they lost to Charlotte. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's so, rough. That's uh, rough. Yeah. And then, you know, that game they played against USM, we beat USM 45 to 30. They lost to USM 45 to 27. So like you'd hear a lot, you hear the name Mason fine, their quarterback hurt a lot. So, as expected, they are a very pass-heavy team. Of all the teams in college football, they throw the 10th most passes per game. And Oof. I know that a few weeks ago, Tech had like a top 10 most pass attempts per game face, too. Tech forces teams to throw the ball a lot, and North Texas likes to throw the ball a lot. So we'll see how that goes. North Texas does have a new offensive coordinator named Bodie Reeder, another name I'm probably butchering. <laughs> and the team hasn't been the same as when the last guy left. Graham Harrell, yeah, he's at USC now, like California USC. Go yes. Trojans. The better <laughs> uh, Fine has completed 63% of his throws for 2,660 yards, 27 touchdowns and six interceptions, seven of those touchdowns coming this past week against UTEP. He then went to the press conference dressed in one of those dinosaur costumes from like four or five years ago that are catching back on again for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> But still, this team isn't as great as they looked, especially on offense. Uh, but the run game is a lot better than you'd think. They run the ball for 4.6 yards per carry. That's 50th in the country with three different running backs. Uh, Evan, you want to tell me a little bit more about this offense? Yeah, yeah. So um, at receiver, they lost their main guy, Rico Bussey. He tore his ACL early in the year, and that really kind of set them back at the receiver position. So I mean, if you look at Mason Fine's stats, 27 TDs in nine games is really good. But he's thrown 12 of those in the last two weeks, so against UTEP and Charlotte. So, I mean, they, they were kind of slowed down a lot after losing Rico Bussey and are just kind of getting their legs back under him. But yeah, I mean, the three running backs are, are Trey Siggers, DeAndre Torrey, and Lauren Easley. Uh, Trey Siggers is the main back, 107 carries on the year. But really, you add it all up, and this team only averages 30.3 points per game. That's 46 most in the country. All you heard in the offseason was about how good North Texas's offense was. So to see that they're only scoring 30 points per game is not that great. And they have only gained 460 yards per game on the season, which is second in the conference. But guess who's first? Hey, <laughs> UAB. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, we, this is a thing to rub into UAB. Mm, okay. <laughs> but as mediocre as the offense is, and really, it's it's a good offense. It's not it's not bad, yeah. but it's not mediocre is not fair. But uh, they're they're definitely not bad offensively. Our defense will have their hands full. But yeah, the the defense is a different story. What what you got on them, Nathan? Yeah, the defense is really the weakness of this team. I just said that they averaged 30.3 points per game on offense. They're allowing 33.6 on defense. They allow 436 yards per game. That's the second worst in CUSA, 100th in college football. I actually went and double-checked you on that, but no, you're right. MTSU is the only one worse, and we've got some real bad teams in our conference, but apparently their defenses are better. <laughs> I was like, that can't be true, right? But anyway. And North Texas has played some offensive-minded teams. Southern Methodist immediately comes to mind with uh, yeah. Sonny Dykes over there, putting up a lot of points and putting up a lot of yards. But still, there's been enough conference games in the schedule to think that that would have averaged out by now. They're also allowing 4.9 yards per carry on the ground, which is 95th worst, or 95th best, I guess. It's not very good, whatever it is. So we'll start with how can Tech win this game like we usually do, and we'll start with Josh this time. Yeah, if Tech just keeps playing how they've been playing up until the bye week, I mean, 
play like you did against Southern Miss. I mean, their offense is going to score some points. Our defense continues to be frustrating to a lot of fans. We're we're going to give up yards. But if the defense plays like Diaco wants them to, and but don't break, we will be all right. Our, I have a lot of trust in our offense to score points as well, especially on that North Texas defense. So just play our game, run the ball, let Jamar do his thing. It should work out fine. Yeah. What do you think, Daniel? If we can get in Mason Fine's face, if we can force him out of the pocket and maybe force him to make some bad throws and create turnovers, then we can win this game no problem. But if we're not putting pressure on the quarterback, it could be a pretty high-scoring game. Yeah, I also think that putting pressure on Mason Fine is kind of the key. He's been sacked 15 times on the year, and so an area where North Texas has struggled in, and kind of an area that Tech has struggled in a bit, too, in putting pressure on the quarterback. They seem to do a pretty good job against UTEP. I don't have those numbers up in front of me, but it didn't seem as bad as it was previously. If we're able to get to him and keep him from throwing seven touchdowns like he did against UTEP, <laughs> then, yeah, I, I also have faith in our offense to put points on the board even in a kind of shootout game that everyone's predicting this game to be. And of course, since everyone's predicting it to be a shootout, it probably won't be. (laughs) And it still feels weird to say that we have faith in the offense after the last couple of years. But yeah, this is a game Tech can win by pressuring the quarterback and just sticking to what they already are doing well in the season. Yeah, absolutely. If Tech comes out and plays like they did between the bye weeks, you know, with the, the solid game plan and great execution, there won't be a problem moving the ball and scoring points offensively. And if Diaco continues to make the adjustments he's made at halftime and during the games, we'll figure out how to continue to bend and let North Texas move the ball, but not end up scoring touchdowns. If the offense comes out like that and and moves the ball, they'll score enough points to win. So the defense will have to create turnovers or get stops uh, in the red zone. Against that North Texas offense, that's scary, but not necessarily as scary as we all thought it would be uh, coming into the season. I think that's pretty much the key to victory. And now we get to, I'm not sure if it's point out Tech's weaknesses, but at least how we think that Tech can lose. We'll go in the same order again. Josh, what do you think? Uh, let's see. Uh, Mason Fine just returns to Mason Fine of old and balls out and drops a 50-piece on us. That's how we can lose. <laughs> Sounds about right. What do you think, Daniel? I'm going to go down to the play calling. We can't be too conservative. The last couple games, we've gotten some great aggressive play calling from Skip Holtz. And if he comes out and says, we're not losing this game like he did against Southern Miss, then we should be fine. But if he is feeling like this game's already locked up and we're being conservative, maybe looking ahead to the next game, it could turn out pretty badly. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it comes down to Mason Fine. He's good enough quarterback uh, to win games uh, on his own if you let him. For example, like I said earlier, his stat line from the last two games, just the last two games, 726 yards, 12 touchdowns, and uh, no interceptions, but he did fumble once. That's a pretty terrifying trend. So he had 15 touchdowns through seven games, and then now he's got 27. You don't want to let that trend continue. He's obviously finding his groove. And I think last year we saw that the key to to beating him was putting him on the ground when uh, Jalen Ferguson infiltrated that man's nightmares. But, um, you know, I don't know if maybe we could put somebody out there in a Ferguson 45 jersey and maybe that would, like, give him flashbacks. But. Um, or maybe Ferguson isn't doing anything this weekend and we can just grab him real quick. <laughs> yeah, are the Ravens on bye week? <laughs> you know, I think that that's the way to lose is just let Mason Fine have another career day. 
you know, and I, I think Tech could still win if Mason Fine looks great, but you just have to not let him throw seven touchdowns. Like like we said, that'll, that would be a recipe for losing. Yeah, I think Mason Fine is going to look great no matter what, if only because of the philosophy of this defense. The whole idea is to give up yardage and to give up the small play, the 10 yards, 15 yards, whatever, to avoid the 30-yard passes or the 60-yard mm-hmm. passes or whatever. And so I think that this is a good enough quarterback to tear that apart. I see them putting a large amount of points on the board because of Mason Fine. Whether or not he has a great day or not, he's good enough to have his bad days even look pretty good. That being said, for Tech to lose, they also have to be bad on offense. And I see that happening if we just can't run the ball. Mm. We need to keep our defense fresh. We're very thin at defensive line and have a lot of linebackers on the field at the same time, too. We need to give the defense rest because they'll be on the field a lot because North Texas will want to have the ball as much as possible. And so if we're able to put long drives together, a lot of run plays, a lot of time off the clock and play a game that isn't as fast paced as we like to see back in you know the 2012 seasons or whatever but still in control of the game enough to think, okay, Tech has the ball with five minutes left of the fourth quarter in the lead. They probably have this in hand. And we won't ever feel that because we'll always be thinking something will go wrong. But if Tech can't get that run game going or even just have it working at the end of the game, I'm very worried about this one. Mm. So we'll transition that into our final predictions. Again, I guess we'll go in the same order. It's kind of weird doing this with four people. Josh, how do you (laughs) see this game going? I think Tech wins, but it will be a frustrating game to watch on the defensive side of the ball. Not really a shocker there. But uh, yeah, Tech wins. Jamar and the offense do enough to score more points than UNT does. I think Mason Fine still has a pretty good day. So I think Tech wins this 34-32. What do you think, Daniel? Uh, I'm just going to go quick and simple. Tech wins 45-35. Nice. All right. Yeah, I'll, uh, hmm. I think Tech's going to win. And I think it'll, like I said, come down to some defensive stops. I'm going to say Amik's going to get a pick in the fourth quarter. And that'll kind of not seal it necessarily, but that'll that'll steal that possession that we need to get a uh, 41 to 33 victory. That's what I'm going to say. I also see Tech scoring 41 points. Hmm. Uh, I think it will be a little closer than that. I was going to say 41-38. Okay. Uh, it really feels like a first to 40 wins, and that may not be great considering that North Texas has the ability to get to 40 points against an average team. But I, I see it a close game, and usually I'm predicting Tech to win by a lot on these shows. <laughs> but North Texas, the more I'm looking into them, and maybe that seven-touchdown performance last week has put a little spook into me. But yeah, 41-38 is how I see the game going. I mean, J-Mar could have thrown for seven touchdowns against UTEP too, but we yeah. ran the ball a lot, and we we took J-Mar out when we were up 42-7. to But Yeah, that's fair. Maybe it was the dinosaur costume that scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Do we have a tweet of the week? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, not shout out, but uh, just welcome back to Twitter, Ben Cagle, <laughs> the UAB fan that says mean things about everyone and everything all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, yeah, we go to him. UAB fans go to him. It's like, you know, the great equalizer between us and UAB fans. We all hate that guy. <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> so <laughs> somehow he got uh, unbanned from Twitter. <laughs> He's back. It's almost like you can use a different email address and then they'd have no idea. <laughs> All right, Evan, you got a contest preview? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, the question I wanted to uh, ask is who will throw more incompletions in the game, Jamar or Mason Fine? So it's kind of a, I don't know. How, how would you guys approach it? Hmm. I would say Mason Fine throws more passes. So right. know, naturally, more incompletions. So if both of them have a great game, 
for them, you would anticipate that means fine throwing more passes. So like if they're both completing, you know, 70% in the game, let's say, probably fine throws more passes because Jamar has a bit better of a running game to back him up. So that's, that's, I would pick fine. I'm going to pick fine when the contest opens on Wednesday, but yeah, same. <laughs> like you, I, I can't think about this too much, man. Like you know, he throws the ball a lot, so Mason Fine will throw the ball a lot, so he probably has more incompletions. Interestingly, too, Jamar has a better completion percentage than Mason Fine does on the year, having thrown quite a bit fewer passes. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please and Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T C H P L S D N T D I E. There we go. Our blog. <laughs> for more stuff at gtpdd.dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Daniel. And I'm Willie Taggart. Go Tag. (laughs) Please don't get fired. Yeah. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-I-E-D-N-T or go to G-T-P-D-D. No, you said go tech, please die, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I found the after show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at... (laughs) Evan sucks. You can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. There we go.